0: so we were actually recording it so if anybody wants to <laughs> watch one of the greatest Lithuanian video videos ever just type arturas masulis where amazing happens yes right? arturas
1: masulis where amazing happens only. I will, I <laughs> we'll put
0: this video in
1: description only what? where arturas masulis happens actually is the title of the video <laughs> i mean it's it's probably the most underrated uh, video in Lithuanian youtube in my opinion. Only 23,000 views. It should so. be 23 million. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. If you remember uh, those years, uh, NBA had uh, their promo campaign with NBA where amazing happens slogan and with that slow music. And these were always uh, great clips. Mm-hmm. Inspirational, with, with NBA motivational. Stars yeah. You're always inspired, yeah. <laughs> and actually the guy who edited this video <laughs> took the idea from the NBA and used it with... Uh, <laughs> BC uh, Chaulé center uh, airballing two free throws, two in a row. <laughs>
0: Apparently it turned out that only the first one was the airball. It was a clear airball. Yeah. The
1: second one is questionable. The ball... <laughs> might, ha- might have touched
0: the rim a little bit. But it's not even about the airballing. It's about the face expression of the, the first airball. <laughs> for sure,
1: for sure. Yeah.
0: Amazing. I mean, yeah. we, we will discuss some of the greatest or weirdest uh, shooting forms and techniques in today's podcast as you well. You mean the worst. Uh, <laughs> It it depends on how successful
1: you are. Oh yeah. By
2: the way, I checked some of these worst shooting techniques and some of them were not shooting that bad. I mean, you imagine them would be like 30-40% and instead they were shooting Mm. like... Yanis is shooting this season like 64% uh, free throws with these weirdest uh, techniques of all time.
1: But sometimes it's hard to wrap your head around the fact that professional basketball players at elite level struggle to make a free throw that's why I was so angry watching Nick Claxton last season in in the NBA playoffs mm. against the Boston Celtics where he missed 10 in a row I believe
2: something like that he was he was struggling so bad and yeah and, and he's still struggling this season and I have him in my fantasy but
1: although he's a very promising young center but he should do something with his free throws because <laughs> uh in today's game I think it's a uh, Huge luxury for a coach to have a player on the court that makes only about 40% of his free throws. Because you're a clear target for the other team. Uh, We have some players in EuroLeague also who struggle at the line, but not 40% struggle. Although Nicolaitis this season has a better free point shooting percentage than free throw percentage, (laughs) which is amazing, honestly. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so it's been an amazing yearly week.
1: Uh, last week we will discuss... By the way, uh-huh. sorry, man. Uh, great podcast with, with Malcolm and Thanks, Eric. Mike. Loved it, really. And Thanks. is Nikolay is American? <laughs> That's a good question.
0: That's a good question. Malcolm played against, or yeah, I think he played against him like since they were 15 or something. So I I
1: understand his argument. He had a good case, and if he has a dual citizenship, I don't see why he cannot be selected uh, as an American player.
0: Yeah, that was a great pick, actually, a very smart pick. Yeah, uh, by Malcolm. Yeah, if you want to watch that episode, uh, watch our videos uh, history section. And Yeah, just just before the start, what really helps us uh, to grow is just subscribing our channel. I just saw some advanced stats of YouTube and it turns out that more than 50% of our viewers, they are not subscribers of Basket News channel and you're doing a huge mistake because it's not about missing some of the great uh, or bonus podcast episodes, but also some other video content which uh Augustus uh, does our video team uh, is doing some great highlight clips so you should be following basketnews.com uh YouTube channel and press like button because it really helps us to grow. And for today's pod, we have some amazing games uh, from the last week. El Clásico, uh, Serbian Derby, Belgrade Derby. I mean, th- there should be some name, some title for that Derby too, because El Clásico sounds sounds great. Basconia Efes turned out to be an amazing game. And yeah, as we mentioned, as I mentioned, we will discuss some, some of the greatest legendary uh, free-throw or just shooting uh, techniques, and also we will try to trigger some national team uh, fans. But let's start from the Belgrade derby. Uh, what would be your impressions about Partisans' win over Red Star? And probably you will all agree that it was not as exciting as the first one in Star Karina.
1: Perhaps, but you still had drama. You had everything, and you even had uh, Nedović buzzer beater once again. Just this time, it was not for the win. It was for the head-to-head record. Imagine that that shot deciding yes. who goes
2: into playoffs. And like, imagine
0: if Papa Petro was actually doing a stronger push because he was actually touching Nedovic. And I think that that's why Zilko was so mad about that because he almost did Walter uh, Eddie Tavares. You mean
1: three plus one? On the last shot. It was really close. That would be crazy. Because Papa Petro yeah. almost <laughs>
0: had his hands on Nedovic. So if Nedovic <laughs> would, would use more of his uh, I mean, uh, Hollywood skills, that I think could be a three plus one.
1: Partizan is more than happy to take the win. Uh, the head-to-head advantage is obviously important, but uh, the important thing was simply to win the game any way possible. And now Partizan actually matched Zvezda's record in the in the standings, which is kind of underrated, I would say, because uh, we were talking about the Partizan in the first part of the season as sort of a struggling team, uh, lacking depth in, in the roster, not enough help from the bench and all these other things. They were losing a lot of closed games. Exactly, yeah. Well. And Zvezda was mm. getting better. They signed Dusko Ivanović, Vildosa arrived. They started uh, winning streak and everything, but now they Partizan catch them in the in the standings after 21 games played. Uh, impressions about the game? Well, first of all, uh, I could go back to the game in Konas, and I think Zvezda had more or less similar pl- problems in the first half. Uh, that's sloppy turnovers. Uh 10 turnovers in the first half and Partizan was scoring easy points for, from these turnovers. And I think uh, they were just giving away too many gifts uh, to Partizan, even though Nedovic and, and Vildosa made some shots, as couldn't catch the rhythm because of those turnovers. And some second chance opportunities also Partizan converted. And uh, they went to the halftime with an eight point lead, which is obviously important uh, when you're playing away from home, meaning that the support is obviously for Zvezda. The environment is different than in, in Stark Arena. And I think the third quarter was crucial because for Jelko it was about surviving at that moment, because in the third quarter, he played more or less with the second unit. He mm-hmm. put Avramovic in the rotation. Punter was in foul trouble and, and actually couldn't catch his rhythm in this game. So in the third quarter, Partizan was simply surviving somehow with the second unit to have at least a one-point or two-point lead. And these two three-pointers in the end of the quarter by Avramovic and Lide, I think uh, that was a massive relief for Jerko Bradovic, because at that point, Vesda sort of was breaking the game. They were always one bucket away from taking the lead. They just couldn't make it. A layup mm. missed by Mitrovic, a three-pointer missed by Vildosa. And partisans somehow kept their lead to the fourth quarter. And, and in the fourth quarter, well, it was just... Point by point, a very close game. And Partizan actually was leading, I think, for thirty eight minutes of the game or, or even more. But the lead never mm-hmm. never was bigger than ten points, I would they like to say. Kind of well,
2: had the game always in the in their control. Yeah, but know.
1: by a very by a very small, small margin. margin. Yeah. Exactly. And uh
2: you mentioned Alexa Abramovich. I mean, huge shout out to him. He's coming into the game after halftime. Uh, and at first it seemed like he was having some trouble, he missed some open threes, but then he had some nice uh creation moments, yeah. uh, for others. And then he had uh, that important three pointer, and uh, basically, what it gave to Partizan is that Partizan always had a different player in each quarter, or let's say a different period of the game, who uh provided offense. As if you remember. In the in the start, it was Matias Lesourd with his well. amazing energy. Then it was Dante Exum, you know, th- these two in the let's say first half. Then it was Alexa Brown, and in the end it was Zach Liddy who got some some open shots, uh, played a really great game. Um, you know, obviously Zvezda's defense had something to do with that. I think what Zvezda lacked was patience, um, both uh, on the fouls that were at the end. You know, Branko Lazic fouling punter. Off the ball situation, six seconds uh, into the possession, there is no you know danger there. He's fouling. I think it was uh, they were down one in that situation. He they go to the line, make two free throws. It's a three point game now. You need to make a three pointer to tie. And then the foul by Luka Mitrovic. Uh, mm. I don't remember or, who it was on the baseline. I think
0: Blazic uh, maybe or Lazarevic? or Papa
2: Petru. No, I, I uh, mean Partizan who had the ball. I, it, it doesn't really matter, but they Papa had, Petr, the, the, I think. The, yeah, Papa Petro. They had the, him doubled, and he he was uh, already with the ball in his hands, and and Mitrovic just you know tried to slap the ball in in a situation like this. Another foul there in the bonus, making another two free throws. I think so. it was Exum.
1: Uh, it it was Exum. Exum at the line. Exum? Exum was hitting all these right. uh, yeah. right. clutch Sorry. free throws in the oh. end. Okay, Partizan didn't even. Take a field goal exactly. in, in the last minutes. Exactly. Because mm-hmm. they, they part scored part from free throws.
2: Because Vesda fouled them, you know, in, in the both situations. Yeah. Uh, so they lacked patience. And two more uh, two more situations where they lacked patience was, you know, Luka Vildoza and Damani Nedovic going for these steals in completely unnecessary situations. Like three times they went for the, for steals. Three times, Partizan scored uh, scored a bucket immediately after because they went for the steals, and it was a five-on-four situation. So uh, the game finished by one point. Every little detail, every little you know, you know, play matters, and you know, Zvezda just didn't have uh, patience in the end, mm-hmm. and that's why I think Partizan deserved to win uh, yeah. more. They played forty minutes at the same pace, at the same you know, always finding the guy. To score and just keeping the close lead, but managing to actually keep it until the end.
1: Yeah, and Jelko uh, Bradovic really uh, showed some trust to his bench players. Like he, bench players played really important minutes in the third quarter when the team was sort of losing the control of the game. He kept the same unit with with uh, Smilagic with Avramovic. Uh,
2: there was a moment where they
1: played. I think. Uh, uh, a five with uh,
2: Avrahamic, Papa Petru, Trifunovic, Lide, and Smilagic. Yeah, exactly. it wasn't a, a the best, uh, you know,
1: offense in, in those periods, but you know, they just survived these somehow. guys. Yeah, they, they survived. They couldn't get a field goal, I believe, for the first three minutes in the third quarter after the halftime. You you could sense that uh Dushko Ivanovich team after the halftime will be more aggressive. They were limited they will limit the turnovers and they will be more aggressive on defense. That's exactly what happened, actually. Mm -hmm. And punter getting uh, silly fouls didn't really help Partizan because we know how important punter is uh, in the scoring department. Uh, But anyway, I would say that Jelko Bradovic had a great game plan. Uh, First of all, how he uh, limited Zvezda's uh, big guys, Mitrovic and Petrushev they didn't have their best uh, performances. Petrushev was dominating uh, in December, in January as well. In this game, he was limited and at the same time exposed on defense once again. And the other thing is, uh, Zvezda plays a lot of short roll actions with Mitrovic. Mm. Until the mid third quarter, it didn't really work for them. Partizan was prepared. Only then Mitrovic had some good moments, uh, dishing assists. I think he finished with five assists, but only two points. So that's that's a big thing for Partizan, I, I believe, that they had Lide and Lesor dominating, while Petrushev and Mitrovic were definitely limited. That was a great
2: uh, note on the short-roll situations. If you remember, in the first half, they Zvezda made like five turnovers in those situations. They were trying to pass the ball, you know, uh, up top not the bounce passes and Partizan players were so active with their hands with just you know taking the ball here Matias Lesor Kevin Punter uh, and then in the second half they had these situations you know they started throwing these bounce passes but 16 turnovers by Zvezda and only 7 by Partizan mm. huge uh, huge difference
0: yeah there was this feeling that Partizan was c- controlling the game and one of the biggest downgrades uh, I would say was their defense I mean that's the main issue of their current season of course but I mean uh, some some loopholes and basically it starts with the just pure communication I would say and I think that's what also Zelko meant by saying we're just stupid we're just playing stupid and in some easy situations uh, players cannot uh, agree on you know who's switching and who is not and they allowed so many uh, open shots and easy points and as you mentioned some of these uh, some of these open looks weren't converted in in, in points and that's that's uh, the good thing is that they are progressing, but the whole defensive picture is is horrible. I've checked some stats. They're allowing... Uh, they have the worst defensive rating per, per b They allow 84 points per game, and that's the uh, biggest uh, number that Jelko Brodo- Brodovic had coaching any Euroleague team, starting from Panathinaikos uh, to Fenerbahce. The only other season they allowed more than 80 points was in 2003 and four. So uh, the only good thing is that Partisan is getting better a little bit and they actually won six of last eight games and their defensive rating was I think sixth, sixth best in, in the year league. So at least and you can also see that compared to the beginning of the season you see mm, less of these communication mistakes they're doing defensively but uh, it still hurts them and that was also one of the reasons why they was still uh, in the game and
1: helped them to, to stay close in the game. I think if you're as a Zvezda fan, you would expect to win a basketball game in which Vildosa and Nedovic combine 49 points. And on top of that, you have Dobrich with three free-pointers and the team is shooting 47% from beyond the arc. You would definitely expect to win a game like this at home with these numbers from uh, your two scoring guards, I would say. Mm. Not necessarily true point guards, I would call them scoring guards, both Nedovic and Vildosa. Nedovic was always aggressive, penetrating, finishing in the paint. By the way, you don't see too many players in, in the EuroLeague uh, that finish the floater off the backboard. Nedovic does that constantly. Many players just take the free tr- the floater straight to the rim. Mm-hmm. Nedovic uses the backboard, and I think it's, it's, it's kind of genius. Uh, at the same time, with Dosa with four free-pointers, they were scoring buckets and scoring points, but the problem was... Uh, Partizan maybe forced them a little bit to play this uh, one-on-one type of basketball instead of involving they others. Switched, they switched uh, yeah. uh, everything and then just... <coughs> and and the guy, Uroš Trifunovic, uh, <laughs> he was put on the court in the fourth quarter for defensive purposes. Obviously, they were substituting punter and Trifunovic offense, defense, substitutions. And that was, uh, I think, a crucial moment when Zvezda had a possession. They were still in the game and Nedović slipped. Trifunovic mm. went for the steal and after that there was no way back for, for Zvezda. Mm. You know they actually uh, I think EuroLeague
2: posted this or on, on Twitter in the in the last weeks in the top 10 of worst uh, players that have not, not worst players 10 players that have the worst defensive impact on the court measuring by their individual ra- ratings of defense. Mm-hmm. There is Zach Lilley and Kevin Punter in the, in that top 10 and uh that's that's you know switching uh, replacing him with Uros Trifunovic. uh you know says that jelko prefers having him uh, on the court in last seconds even if it means that maybe you are you know not allowed to have punter in the offense because you know maybe there is no no not 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 no dead ball situation and you cannot uh change it but um you know what about uh, the Choreographic performance by the Zvezda The pants. What did you, what did you think of, of the all
1: the posters? <laughs> I mean, it's smart. It's, it's always nice, it a, nice it was to a have smart some choreographic. It's always nice to have some banter that is sort of respe- respectful towards the opponent. You're obviously um, irritating them by reminding, "Hey, Nedov hit a game winner in Stark Arena." Nedov's smile said it all, you know. Yeah, <laughs> before but, the game. <laughs> but it's nothing. Um, I would say uh, offensive, offensive. Yeah, yeah, exactly, towards the other side. So I, I loved it. it I was, actually it was nice. I loved
0: cool. a more uh, banner for Alexa Vramovic. I don't know very well Serbian, but from what I understood, and I might, I might be wrong because I think it, I saw it only on Serbian media, it's like many, many years ago, Avramovic tweeted something about Partizan as if he was like supporting Restar or something. So somebody had that tweet, actually a big banner <laughs> with that tweet. And Avramovic <laughs> was just smiling before the game. So that that's, was a nice moment. That's
2: another uh, smart But that's that's what I love
0: about this, the atmosphere. I mean, for the second time in a row- In Europe, There were no violence. Yeah. In Euroleague. Which makes this case even more interesting. You know, why it's only in the Euroleague? It well, was also explained by the fact that, you know, when they meet each other in the Serbian League, basically it means who wins that team goes to the league. So the importance and the pressure is, is bigger. There are a lot of local politics uh, involved that makes the pressure at some enormous levels. But at the same time, I really think that it's still up to the organization uh, which organizes the tournament and how they treat and how they find teams uh for for provoking fans or for for, for for you know them being aggressive. Well I think
1: fans probably realize the fact their club does not have a Euroleague gay license. They're not yeah. one of the shareholders. So if you do some damage, the league will definitely put some red flags on you. Like, do we want a team with some hooligans in our league? And they behave properly in in, in these local derbies when they're played in the EuroLeague. ABBA League is a different story, different environment, and you could probably say different culture, but we usually watch EuroLeague. So for EuroLeague, having this Belgrade derby, I think is huge. Both games Mm. this season were very exciting, unpredictable. You never knew what's going to happen up until the very last second. I um, mean, th- their, their game in Abba League
2: uh, this season was interrupted after nine minutes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in the first quarter, so. 10, ten of March, the, the second part.
1: Can you imagine... Or the
2: fourth f- part.
1: Can you imagine what would be the worth of Zach Lidia if he could, could be more consistent and he could deliver these monster performances on a consistent basis? Because I remember him from Jalgiri season. Sometimes he had his extra energy and mm. he was... Balling like crazy, but then on other nights, you see him missing some shots, not being into the game as much. And in this game, he was so focused and he mm-hmm. was just focused on dominating, it was yeah. sheer dominance like hitting spot up shots, obviously, is important, but also some post up plays, some fadeaway shots, uh, last second shots with the clock running out. Um, and actually, this season, you have to say he's proven to be a pretty good sh- shooter. Uh, Forty-four point seven percent for a big man. These are great numbers.
2: He, he. To me, he was always, you know, a, you know, not, not the most consistent one, but definitely a forward that can stretch the floor. And and you know, when he has the ball open in his hands, I I want him to shoot. And you know, just having him is such a lu- luxury. I think for your offense because he's the the one guy, uh, a big guy who offensively can just manufacture a shot for himself at any given moment. Yeah. I mean that. Hook where he is just holding the ball in his hands and just shooting with a, a strange technique mm-hmm. as well, you know, not the free throw, but he's making
1: those shots. So, can you imagine being a Milano fan and going from Punter and Lide to Voitman and Luvavuka Kabaho?
0: <laughs> I'm not sure if it's that if that's Let's a correct d- comparison. Let's not go there, maybe. We, we <laughs> no, have sorry, been
1: man. we have been in that hole before. I'm sorry, man. And it kind of hurts. After those two close <laughs> games,
0: which team chances for the playoffs you like more?
1: I'm still going with Zvezda. I, I still think they have more quality in the roster, and also if if Facundo Campasso is available for six games in the regular season, in the end it will make a difference. Uh, I I think they're a deeper team. So I still go with Zvezda. And they also have the head to head advantage. Who knows? Maybe they will finish on the same same result. But I don't see both teams making the playoffs. Mm. Obviously at the moment both of them are trying to catch the playoffs. But I And I, they're I, just one win away basically. I would so. favor Zvezda in this in this race.
2: I'm not sure I I I just don't see much difference between these two teams and uh, obviously compa- with Campazzo yeah. coming in you know that that could be a game changer um you know with the way Jalgiris has been playing and with the Isaiah Taylor injury maybe there are two spots uh you know in the you know after those six teams but hey who knows uh, Anadolu fs are playing with fire recently so Maybe even both those teams could get in mm-hmm. because like there's o- only one win away, and there is Maccabi Valencia. You know, you never know what to expect from those two teams as well. I don't
1: uh, see that happening. Uh, both. Yeah,
0: I, that. I just like that. Of course, Campazzo will be a huge booster for Red Star, and just in general, Red Star is playing solid basketball after Ivanovic took over. And I just like this uh, growth. Uh, of communication in in partisan, And if if they continue to get better, and if they learn from these losses in close games, like they had some Mm. bad, bad endings, I can see them, you know, getting more wins uh, in a stretch of these remaining Mm. 13 games. And with Jalgris struggling, with Maccabi being like 50-50 team, Okay, as you mentioned, FS will get in this top eight, but you never know with a Basconi. I mean, they're in a nice situation to make the playoffs. I think Both.
1: Zvezda just has to deal with this turnover issue, because two games in a row, it costs too much, 10 turnovers in the first half. They had mm. the same numbers in Konas, and they were also down by 10 after after the first half, purely because of these turnovers. Uh, So you must do something about it. Uh, You cannot play this way for the first half and then start fixing things only after the halftime. You should take care of the ball, basically, because they could have won both of these games against Zsargiris and against Partizan. And they would be in a position with 12-9 right now in the standings. And they would be in the top eight. So at least they, they had to win one from these two games. And they lost both, which, which obviously hurts, but I still believe they are a slightly better team than Partizan. Yeah, probably I agree. Probably
2: Zvezda has have more chances. And simply because, you know, you know, Partizan has the best offense, but the worst defense. And in the long term, I will just simply go with the team that has better defense. And, you know, Zvezda have that and they have Campazzo coming in for the last uh, nine games, I think, because, you know, as we know, February is going He's to four, be... four yeah. games away from coming back. Yeah, February is not... From this moment, they'll have only
1: four games, so... And actually, when you were, were naming those, those clubs that are in the playoff picture, you didn't even name Valencia. I think they shouldn't yeah. be overlooked. <laughs> they have... A lot of talent. They mm-hmm. added uh, Shannon Evans on top of everything. Chris Jones is healthy right now. They're playing very fluid offense. At least at home, they're very difficult to beat. And uh, I wouldn't rule them out. They're also in the race. So it's 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 a really really big it's battle for, for, for at least two spots in the, in in the playoffs. I would even say maybe more. You maybe maybe you more, never you, know. Who, who knows? Who knows? Two
2: two win uh, gap between sixth and uh, tenth place. So.
0: Let's play the game Start Bench Cut. We have mm. Sergio Yui. Sergio Yuri. Sergio Sergio Rodriguez. Sorry. And Milos Teodosic.
1: Start bench cut. Yeah. That's a tough one. But we're deciding on based on how they play right now. This season. This season. Right now, yeah. Um, so at the moment I would start Milos because he has a huge impact on every game Virtus plays right now. And I'm benching Chacho and unfortunately I'm cutting you. I know what he did <laughs> in recency bias I know. does not work for it is. I know what he did in but actually I have. But look at the numbers, the Same answer. Uh, the, the numbers are really poor. If you talk about shooting percentages and everything. So it would be easier for me to have these two pick and roll running point guards, but of course, big respect for uh, to Sergio U for what he did in the clasico
2: <laughs> to me it's uh, what do you think star chacho i uh, like your arguments uh, yeah bench uh, milosh and cut sergio u it's painful to say that it's it's pain, i mean three great players <laughs> that I, you are, that you enjoy watching and i enjoyed watching yeah. for a long time
0: if I your mean, bench player can change the direction of el clasico i mean man you have who to lose this game though
2: Actually, I'm choice? biased
0: about the last game. I'm putting Sergio Yui. and it's start? I'm um, starting uh, Miloš. That's a tough decision. Oh, you're good. I was choo- choosing between Sergio, I cut my favorite Sergio and Miloš because to me they're kind of the same players. They have the same uh, skills and qualities for my team. And Sergio Yui is just a game changer. I mean, you never you, you don't know what I mean, you're
2: getting from the bench. All All these three players would have a microwave badge if they were on a you know on a game on a console, they can get hot and mm. you know exactly. Two, they need only two sh- two shots maybe. But for, d- for the that. difference
1: is that Milosh and Chacho, in particular Milosh, these days they run a lot of pick and rolls and they also feed uh, uh, the, their centers. Mm. And Sergio Yu is more of a scoring guard. Uh, he's still trying to do all these things: uh, crazy transition freeze, uh, penetrating the paint, and. Numerous times, I, I remember games from this season and last season where you you just see that as being ineffective. But he has mm-hmm. so much respect in Madrid, and now he's the captain of the team that he still has this uh, ability to change the game, to influence the game, and a complete trust from the teammates and the coach to do what he wants. And, well, <laughs> in classical, it worked, you cannot argue with facts. He, he finished with 19 points, he had this crazy run... He I was mean, scoreless
0: like, in the first three quarters. He yeah. scored 15 in the fourth and four in yeah. overtime. And the only player who scored more points combining four quarter and extra time, for instance, being scoreless in the first three quarters was actually Linus Klaiza in this... Uh, in France? Was in in France against Orleans. I think I that think was the so. team. Oh, he yeah. scored 19 in the uh, yeah, I remember fourth the
2: game. quarter. He's uh, making threes in that, in that fourth quarter. Yeah, But to me, it was like the way... Sergio Yui actually get God hot it was the first three complete Ill, completely illogical shot you yeah. imagine I mean this <laughs> it guy, was this guy Curry playing. this that guy man, has actually. zero points it, it's the 30 second minute of the game you are down by nine points I think at mm-hmm. that moment and this guy goes on a two against three you don't even have numbers in transition. And this guy just pulls up after the dribble with nobody to get the rebound with um, six seconds with eighteen seconds on the shot clock, I think. And he just uh, pulls up, you know, like this, without having hit a shot in that game before, and just makes that shot. And that's
1: and that's all it took. Sometimes you have to go with the heart (laughs) instead of the mind. Very simple. It's classical. It's about passion, you know. Uh, I mean, and after that was just. I believe Sergio realizes the fact. in this moment, we need some spark. And if I hit a crazy shot, the crowd will get into it that for the team, it will be a huge boost. I mean, you're just going with, with, with your guts. Like you, you have the feeling that this is the best opportunity for me to, to score and you're taking that shot. And obviously everyone's looking, uh, at the screen thinking it doesn't make any sense. Uh, it, it it's, Against any any logic, but it's Real Madrid. They play differently than Barca does, and that's that's what he made his career on. You know exactly. You you could actually buzzer beaters, crazy shots. Uh, But he was once the MVP of 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 Euroleague. Probably at one point we had two guards at the same levels Panulis and and Yui and and bo- they both didn't fit into any statistical model the way they they decided the outcome of the game especially in playoffs and in in finals and in these decisive moments however to me this Classico was more about Gabi Dek than than Sergio Yui having this crazy scoring run uh, Gabi Dek with his spin move was a nightmare for <laughs> for any Barca defender and he was Listed as questionable before the game because he had some some problems recently. But he played 33 minutes, which is very unusual in in, in Madrid's rotation that a player plays more than 30 minutes. Only Tavares usually reaches those numbers. But deck was just crucial for Madrid in this game. And uh, I think, I, w- I would say, that was one of the most dominant performances I've seen this season from a player that's, uh, small forward slash power forward. Right now, he's playing probably more minutes in the fourth position, but we know that uh, Jus Mateo plays with the, these big lineups where Deck is a number three. So I was really impressed with his performance in in the classical. And uh, his matchup with Mirotić,
2: you could say that was actually you know the most critical matchup of, of the game. And yeah, he scored 23 points. But uh, if you remember last minutes, Miritic actually got the ball a few times in the post against him because, you know, obviously, as you said, deck is more of a three than a four, even though better Cornelia was not playing. So he had to play some more minutes there. And uh, Miritic couldn't could couldn't score in these moments. And, and, and to it, me, this yeah. Barcelona game ending reminded me of Lithuanian national team a little bit. You know, one team trying to get Lithuania national team trying to get the ball into the post, and no, nothing is happening because you know the refs might allow, might allow more contact, might not uh, whistle a couple of fouls, uh, and and Real Madrid just scoring because they have better perimeter scoring, and they they found uh, Sergio Yui in the fourth quarter, and in overtime they found Jan uh, Musa, yeah, and uh, the perimeter play one more time, you know. Uh, Decided made, the game, basically. Decided the game and made himself, you know, the most important thing at at the end, which we are, are used to seeing
1: with the Lithuania national team. Do you guys agree that that Barca was probably the better team for most part of the game? Definitely, and it's not thir- the first time. Thirty, 30 this minutes, year they're 30, blowing away the lead or minutes, even losing maybe. the
0: game. Exactly. And what's wrong with Barca?
1: I don't know. Shara said probably a thousand times Guys, during dur- during his overs. reign in in Barcelona that we don't have this killer instinct and you could simply repeat the same words after this classical.
0: why are there, why you're not signing killer then
1: i don't know i was a, a bit pissed about that I because i think they have killers <laughs> in the squad i Corey want the great Higgins. ending to have the ball
2: more in the last seconds and not thomas satryski yeah yeah i, I just
0: think. found out this Crazy stat of course satransky is a is a different point guard he's he's not your scorer he you sign him to, to set the offense and and stuff like that but i checked the stats of satransky uh, performances in the fourth quarters his average in fourth quarters is 1.2 points 0.5 assists 0.4 turnovers in 6 minutes that's crazy, and he's one of the best-paid uh, Barcelona uh, players. Vesely, for instance, one point eight points and zero point nine rebounds in less than five minutes. I mean, they're one of your ma- most paid players, and usually, if I signed, you know, players on big paychecks, you have to play them in the crucial moment, and y- they have to have that skill play decisive minutes. Mm. That's the main difference. For example, these, these guys like Misic, Clyburn, Larkin, they're playing like eight, nine minutes uh, in the deciding uh, quarter. Kostas Lucas, uh, even Nikolaitis, uh, Wilbikin and Fenerbahce, they're playing six or, or, or more minutes. I just think that Sh- Sharas already mentioned that he was lacking of killer instinct and with the last year's squad, he had a chance to reshape a roster a little bit but he didn't bring uh, those uh, killers to this team. So that that what surprises me. Corey Higgins was doing really good job, but I would say that uh, Madrid's defense, especially when they brought uh, Porrier uh, on, on the court, I think it was in the overtime, they really mm-hmm. did a great job uh, defensively containing Higgins. And Gabidek uh, contained Mirotic as well, great in the low post. I think that Mirotic uh, traveled uh, twice in the decisive minutes of the fourth quarter. So they were doing great job defensively, and you think that, of course, you can finish the game with Mirotić and Higgins, that should be enough. But if you're a big team, uh, if you have a chance to sign top players, I mean, you have to look for, for killers. Loprovito uh, is usually a killer, well, and he did not have a great that's game. That's
1: what I'm saying. I mean, it's, it's an unfair complaint, because if you have Loprovito and Higgins, you have players that can close games and kill games. It's, it's the question whether you put them in the best position to close those games. And when you have your best player, and you mentioned Sotoransky's salary, Mirotic is the most expensive player in the league. So sometimes you're just forcing it, playing through him in, in the crunch time. And to me, it uh, w- doesn't matter how good your stretch four is, when it when the time comes to close the game, it's about the guards. And to me, Corey Higgins needs to have the ball in his hands more. Second option is obviously La Provitola. Definitely not Satoransky. He's a different kind of a point guard. So I don't agree that they don't have killers on the team. It's maybe that they don't play killers basketball. The system is fine. You play your system, but... When there's two minutes left and it's a closed game, it's not about the system or running sets. It's about the best players t- taking best possible basketball decisions. And to me, Corey Higgins is a proven clutch player in the EuroLeague. If you look at his Moscow days and you see some game winners uh, for Barcelona, not only in the EuroLeague, in the ACB league playoffs as well, I think basketball should be a little bit more simple with two minutes left in the game. That's what Madrid does.
2: And the worst lineup for Barca in this game was uh, Satoransky, Higgins, uh, Kalinic, Mirotic, and uh, Naji. Yeah, minus twelve and in four and a half minutes, and most of that time came in in the overtime. Would you agree that maybe you know Laprovittola, Higgins in the in the in the backcourt uh, would make? You know, a, a little bit better closing lineup, maybe for sure. for, for Barcelona, for sure. Uh, be, because you know, probably what's what Charis is doing is you know valuing defense in the last moments of the game more than than the potential offense. You know, he thinks that we with the system we run, we can get a nice shot even with this five on the court because you have Naji, you have Satoransky, you have Kalinic that you can you know risk from them mm. a little bit and uh instead of uh, let's say playing uh, Shan Lee, lapro and higgins on the court at the same time or maybe even even Abrinas, you know uh, who is actually playing you know converting on those shots that Charis creates for him so probably you know he's just rallying defense and you know sometimes in the close games it doesn't really it hasn't really paid off let's say up until to I this just point. think that
0: it was also related to the fact that Laprovitola j- was just not having great game. Yeah, minutes. lately he's and I in, four, in games, those four, four games, four quarter minutes, he was he was very average. But at the same time, in the crucial moments, probably have to show more trust to those players who can decide games. Because for example, his plus and minus in the second half was like minus seven, seven uh, second worst in the team. So I believe that Shara's decision was based on that, and he decided to go with yeah, different Lapra, guys. Yeah, uh, Lapro recently,
2: I don't know, three or four games that he's playing, let's say below his usual
1: standards Yeah, and I I could also add that in the previous seasons it it was always uh, a big help for them having a a sharpshooter like Kyle Kuric on the court Mm. this season he's barely playing and his absence is actually felt, I mean they're trying to use Abrinas in a similar way uh, as uh, Kyle Kuric in in the previous seasons, but to me Abrinas is not as consistent as, as Kyle Kuric is and uh, with Couric struggling and maybe declining a little bit, you're starting to think that um, a very good team needs an elite shooter, at three-point specialist. And I'm always just thinking every season about Matt Thomas and his potential comeback to EuroLeague and how could he, he could be a great fit for basically any team. Mm. And yeah, if Kyle Couric is healthy and ready, I think he could make a difference in some situations as a shooter with his off-ball movement and, and everything he does.
0: And just for the last notes about this game, I just love this genera- generational shift uh, in the end of the game. First it was Serge- Sergio Yui with this crazy four-quarter performance. And what I actually li- love the most besides him scoring the ball, that he made this spark also by some defensive stops, so stealing the ball from Mirotic. Uh, he actually blocked that shot, uh, that Abrinas shot. It was uh, also a very important uh, situation. So uh, he, he also showed this example of, you know, you can love his skill, you can try to learn to to be as skillful as Yu uh, is, but, every young player, every up-and-coming EuroLeague player also have to learn how to play your hearts out and how it actually can make the difference in this EuroLeague where the margin of level, the difference of the level is is not so great. So all these little things like putting extra step uh, both individually or team-wise, like we see examples of Jalgris Basconia for the many times, you know, making these crazy turnarounds. It's, it's, it's something which is very valuable in the EuroLeague, but this uh, Jamal Musa thing. I mean, when Sergio Uri, mm, made his like the second crazy three-pointer, he he showed that loco sign or something. Loco, I think that's how you say crazy, right? Loco, esto muy loco, no? Yeah, yeah. And then Musa Musa with nine-point performance in the uh, extra time. I mean, he's really loco. I would say he had open open look shots in the overtime. Easy easy three-pointer. No, he missed that shot. Instead, I think that they got the offensive rebound in that position. Instead, he went for a one-leg uh, runner contested shot. He made that crazy shot. Then these. Oh, that was that was a lucky two three pointers. I mean, and he was showing the same sign actually. And he he, he seems like the next Sergio Yui on on Real Madrid team with this charisma. With he's also playing a lot from his emotion. Yeah, he so, has
2: he has that. Uh, you're right. He has that you know crazy part. Yeah. A little bit of craziness on the court, you know. He does what he feels is to do at the right moment, and you know it could it could go really bad. But exactly. if it goes well, if it goes well, then that's a huge
1: spark. And Madrid team. is the best place for you to, to play this it. way. Exactly. Uh, actually, I just realized right now that there are tw- few teams to to actually play like this in Euroleague. Yeah, like Efes, Madrid, Alba Berlin. If you go lower, but it's it's yeah. not for a player of, of this caliber. And I just realized that like 12 years ago probably, I, I I genuinely believed that Sergio Yui was drinking Red Bull during the game. Huh. Only at some point I realized that he's a Red Bull athlete and he's obviously drinking water from a Red uh. Bull <laughs> shaped can. <laughs> okay. and with, the, with the way I he plays. I did believe that he was drinking Red Bull because he comes back after the timeout and he never stops. Like, He's running, running, running. It's, it was 12 years ago, before his knee injuries and everything. And I did believe that. Yeah, the dude's drinking Red Bull casually during the timeout. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Basconi yeah. FS game was also great. A lot, of, a lot of interesting stuff. So that's why I asked you guys to rank the most improbable or incredible things uh, you saw in that game. Let's, let's make your top three. I
2: mean, it's hard to rank. Uh, you know, we had we had given Marcus Howard his flowers before, uh, so and he has you know maybe two subpar games, and but he still makes those shots incredible in the fourth quarter, and later um, Darius Thompson close to an insane. I mean, imagine he got four more rebounds and he just posted a nineteen, ten, and sixteen line in a Euroleague game. I mean. 16 assists is is amazing, and he made some difficult shots there. So he has he made to, this crucial block. Crucial block. He applies To me, this against, block is 30, thirty centimeters bigger, dude. Yeah. To me, probably that's you know they have this no, high number, number one with the yeah, number yeah, one. Yeah, uh, we have to give Matt Costello his flowers. I mean, two months ago, I remember picking him as the probably the the most underrated guy in the EuroLeague, and True. a game like this shows to me why. I mean, I don't see a team who wouldn't want to have a stretch big like him. I mean, he is that type of guy who can make, who can win a game for you by himself. Obviously, he, you know, depends on others, but
0: uh, just a great player. And if, um, if I'm FS, I'm making. The case for, for Costello for, Costello for, for the him. summer, for the free agency. He has the contract with Basconia until 2024 and usually they put uh, these crazy buyouts uh, mm-hmm. in those deals uh, there in Basconia. but I mean...
1: Yeah, if, you, if you're FS, it's easy. Just sign the players that Basconia scouted before. <laughs> and you know... Uh, Larkin, Obua <laughs> applies
2: on the court. <laughs> and it just shows, Matthew Costello just shows how uh, a
1: stretch power forward you know, is can blossom in, in Bosconia. Mm. <laughs> to me, so, the question is, how many more games can FS throw?
2: That's 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 probably you know number one is Darius Thompson block, but number yeah. one question of this game is, how long are you going to play with the fire? Yeah, I mean, th- this was the closest game to M- an NBA game you will find this season in the EuroLeague. Mm-hmm, I mean, we are talking how you know that EuroLeague style with the defense and aggressive style is uh, maybe more interesting for us and and stuff like that. But to see a game like this every once in a while is is an, an amazing feeling. With the shot making was incredible for sure, and obviously the defensive intensity of both teams did not help. I mean, both teams did not really care about mm. one side of the court, and it was <laughs> both teams scored sixteen free pointers. All it took for Bosconia to get open was one pick and roll where the big slips the screen and FS go into a complete. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Mm. They 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 don't know what to do on a slip screen. So it's twenty. How many games? Twenty. Twenty
1: one. Twenty one games played.
2: Played and probably FS is, are going to go with you know this type of play at the end of, until mean, the end of the season and just hope. Uh, to arrive in the eighth spot. Last
0: mm-hmm. year they were in the completely the same position, 10 and 11 after t- around 21. The d- main difference is that three now team, they have all fiber. And so uh, that's uh, and a huge three teams upside.
2: Got uh, excluded from the season
1: in February. It, it, it did help them. Yeah. That's
0: true. That's true. Uh but still I think that they they will be there right on time.
1: I um, mean, Rocas right is grabbing 18 rebounds also has to be high on the list. This is on He's my never known as a some sort of a rebound specialist or anything like that. It's it's six, actually 6, it six was, offensive was,
0: rebounds, 12 defensive rebounds. and Again, so easy to take for him those rebounds when nobody boxes you out. Um, and it, it's, it's on guards of FS actually. It's not only about bigs. Check some of the, their guards, you know, trying to I'm not even saying box out. They're just standing there. And these guys, like <laughs> Gadraitis and everybody else, they were just jumping over their heads. And what's what's also great about Gadraitis is that he got these 12 defensive rebounds. And what's important, he he really knows how to run the floor fast. And usually from these situations, a lot of easy transition points uh, has started. And But this Gadraitis uh, record is amazing. I mean, I checked the record list and I didn't see... I mean, we don't seriously... Consider Gedraitis as some some like forward. I mean, he he he's not the typical forward in 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 Lithuania national team. He's playing more of a shooting guard role. So I would say he's a wing player. And I didn't see any other wing player with more than eighteen rebounds no, in the early history. Is crazy. That that was just crazy.
1: Uh, and I, I still looked at the picture of of Darius Thompson block on Tibor Pleiss. Of course, it helps that uh, Plies uh, doesn't really jump when he's shooting. But you have to time your jump perfectly to not foul the guy and to block the shot, knowing that he's a giant center shooting the ball from beyond the arc. And you know, uh, you have these iconic moments and and photos with blocks, like LeBron versus Iguodala, uh, (laughs) Deshaun Prince versus Reggie Miller, uh, Manu Ginobili versus James Harden. Now you really has the block. It's Darius Thompson versus <laughs> Steve Plyce. Only it's a regular season game. If it was a playoff moment, it would be, uh, I think, even even bigger. But for Bosconia, still a very big win. Right now, having all this uncertainty around Pierre mm. Henry, uh, they they were on a losing streak. I think they entered this game with four game losing streak. So it's it's huge for them to to get a win against FS in a game
2: where Marcus Howard does not really get going for 35 yeah. minutes uh, yeah. of play. And it's a second straight game for him where he's struggling with his shot, but that's normal, you know, for a guy that uh, you know depends so much on an outside shot. They're just going to be nights off. So important that he gets back on
0: the, on a rhythm soon. And on top of my ranking, I actually have the fact that after 35 minutes of play, Bascone had 76 points. So they finished with 114, which means they scored 38 points in the last 10 minutes. And they finished the game with 31 assists compared to FS16. That tells a lot about the ball movements, uh, the way uh, Bascone is sharing the ball and how you can see the clear team effort uh, out there instead of deciding games on ISO
1: plays. And FS still had a 10-point lead in the fourth quarter. I mean, from this this point... You cannot afford to lose games. You have the better players on the court. You're up 10 with seven minutes left. I mean, when it happens once, fine, I can live with that. But when when it happens two times, three times, four times during the season, it, I mean, just at some point, you have to stop with this complacency and everything and get serious. Simple. They,
2: as I said before, they get serious when they play Barcelona.
1: Yeah, and Olympiacos and, and these other teams. Uh, I do see that, but I also see the standings. Losing to Valencia, losing to Bosconia doesn't really help you.
0: They actually lost to uh, Bosconia twice and they're in a playoff conversation. And to Valencia so that twice. My, yeah, that might hurt them in the long run. And
1: these two Spanish teams are trying to catch the playoffs as well.
0: But as Shane Larkin said, we're all raising the, the same questions every year <sighs> and the final outcome is the same, so... Yes, yeah, it, it, it
1: is possible. I do believe in that. <laughs> it doesn't matter if they finish eighth, seventh, sixth, or third. As long as they make the playoffs, they have a shot at a free peat.
2: What's just, yeah. just uh if they are in the eighth spot at the end of the season, I just you know regret getting the number one
0: seed. Mm.
2: True. That's obvious. Yes,
0: that's obvious. True. Not fair. <laughs> what is what is Impossible, actually, is our following topic just to trigger uh, national team fans all around Europe and especially uh, those European powerhouses. Pierre, Pierre, nothing about Pierre Henry? It's it's sad situation, and it, especially when you see guy cheering. Uh, for 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 his team with Tadas uh, on on sidelines and being in the huddle, I mean, and knowing how important Basconia as a team is uh, for this guy, it was sad that he's suspected by all those things and he might get fined uh, with a huge fine. What's the, what's the um,
2: usual fine for this? If you are, you know, I mean, if
0: fake fake sample is. Probably it's even, something I've even, never even heard, heard worse, before uh, in Europe. So I believe it might be even worse. It, mi- it might be some levels of fines they're getting just for a positive mm. doping test. And then if you fake sample, it might be even worse. So... There was even
2: uh, some rumors that he could be banned for life. For life, to, yeah, to I, saw, I saw that.
0: Disc- I'm, I'm not sure how mm. real, how legit is this, but a lot of uncertainties in this situation. So it's it's really wow. hard to say anything. You cannot kind of, you know, advocate and defend player if he really did that, but at the same time, until it's not clear, the final decision, if there's no, Mm. uh, the research is not being done yet. I mean, it's also tough to speculate on this topic. Yeah. So yeah, just just going to the topic we are going to speculate a lot. Uh, Walkup, Thomas Walkup was asked by famous Greek commentator if he would like to play for the Greek national team. If he had an opportunity to represent the country, he politely responded that he's American. But as since this is a topic that triggers basketball fans, let's take five European powerhouses without naturalized players and find five greatest additions from the league uh, for them. I mean, let's, we have,
2: let's find Lorenzo Brown for each country? Yeah,
0: Lorenzo Brown is not available right now. Oh, okay. So, oh, yeah, right,
2: he's Spanish. Yeah,
0: he's... Spanish. He's, uh, he's, he's Lorenzo Dantes maron <laughs> Exactly. So we have five teams, France, Serbia, Lithuania, Italy, and Greece.
1: Look for France; it's settled. Yeah, for Joel Embiid. <laughs> if was,
0: Joel Embiid chooses United States, I, in that case, who would you sign for them from the Euro? Why we start? Why I wouldn't sign anyone from France.
1: for well, f- France. Well, France and Embiid exactly. So if we're talking about France, why, 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 why do you sign? <laughs> my,
2: my answer when you said, "Well, for France, it's easy." I thought you were going to say they don't need anyone because that was my answer. <laughs> yeah, but
1: at the same time, they have the opportunity to play Joe Embiid.
2: and they have Ben Benyama and... Uh, who
0: they're having on their backcourt. I think they're missing a point guard. Yeah,
2: in a need of a quality point guard. That's But but who they... Who, who I they, would actually
0: send Thomas Walkup over there. I
2: think they have... But Thomas Walkup. you know, does not have anything with the French... No, finals. but I mean it's that, it, that, that's you that's don't the have task. any any that's ties. The task. You just yeah, yeah, I was the trying you know make players no, that have no, no. some kind of ah. ties no, at least no, no. with the no. country.
0: I mean what kind of ties some of these naturalist no, players have yeah, sign for national teams. Let's, let's
2: say for Serbia I put Matthias Look, because of the he's way French, he's man. naturalizing players.
0: But you cannot naturalize
2: Yeah, you French player to play for the national team. he
1: play? That is not locked yet and is available. Yeah, yeah. Did he play? Yes, for France I think he I have a feeling that it's enough to play at least one single Fiba qualifier and and that's it you're locked so I think he did play at least one game or something
0: uh he played in qualifiers in Fiba World Cup 2019 yeah, that's, it. that's okay. it he's done
2: so you know Kevin Pointer then <laughs> Yes yeah, so
1: that's with Fournier, for France? with Fournier. for Serbia ah, for Serbia okay but oh, for Serbia uh, but for France, I yeah, have an idea. Defense. Actually, I, I have an idea. Thomas Walkup—it's a good choice, a defensive point guard Yeah, that, who that can set up the offense ne- next to other defensive players like Terry Tarpey and and these other guys. It could work, pressuring the ball. Not necessarily the. It's more about
0: next to Evan Fournier, for example. Yeah,
1: yeah. But to me, I think the better fit is Paris Lee, be, just ba- basically because he's Paris. Yeah, that's <laughs> great. Why. It would make great. a lot of sense, basically because he's Paris. Paris Lee, I have Paris on my jumper. They're Mm -hmm. supporting Paris Lee, right? I do support him after what he did (laughs) last week. (laughs) Amazing performance. (laughs) Yeah, so that's settled. Paris Lee. Either
0: Paris Lee or Thomas Yeah. What about Serbia?
1: Uh, You mentioned Ponder, as he has some ties. Uh, What do they need when everyone's healthy? That's a good
0: question. That's a good question. When
1: everyone's healthy and available, Mm. I think a stretch four. Stretch four. Because Nemanja Bielica... Who knows, maybe he's done with the national team and all the other options are really not so good. Like they played Marko Jagodic-Kuridz in the Eurobasket, so maybe we're talking about a stretch four. Matt Costello is unavailable because yeah. he played for Ivory Coast, True. by the I way. I have, actually, I I, I... I go with Alec Peters.
0: I, he doesn't have any passport?
1: I don't know, did he play for any national team? I think it, it might be some It's minor not only national about team. having a passport. He's so Bosnian, naturalized and Bosnian player. Did he player. play for Bosnia? That's the let's question. Check. Let's check.
2: Let's check. So, if he... Did. check. Uh, what about
0: Lithuania? Mike, Mike James, James is, is straight, straight <laughs> locked they in They need by a point Russell. guard and they need a scorer, and they have good connection with Donatas Motiejunas, and it's easy.
1: I mean, Donatas Motiejunas is not play for the national team. So sounds he, like he's doing sounds this sounds like diplomatic. Like Look, Look, he's doing
2: this you know, diplomatic you, you job. Said. You said this like Donatas Motiejunas. He has a great relationship with the, father, with the coach, you know? and they're yeah. in good connection with Mike. Easy. Yeah, but we are talking about naturalization, and you know, he has good t- connection with Donatas Motiejunas. Sounded like you know he's. A father
0: or, or some kind it's of... It's all uh, about networking, you know, because he's Maxivitas. W- what about Keenan Evans, guys? I mean, he, uh. he's not going to help me in, in the upcoming uh, World Cup, so that's sad.
1: That's an option. I can naturalize Do Mike James, does and Mike, then does Mike when James James he retires, want, does Mike James I can to take the Keenan summer? Evans. No, he doesn't.
0: Mike <laughs> James actually had a was an, in serious, or at least he was seriously pursued by Latvia national team. Could you imagine not a national team with Mike James on <laughs> wow. the team? Man. That's a fun team to watch. One of the most fun team to watch. They are already, Bertans, they're already
1: fun to watch when everyone's there. <laughs> exactly. Oh, and wow. you add Mike James uh, on top of that. The games
2: are finishing 125 to 123. That's amazing. Yeah. 40 Put minutes. them against
0: Slovenia. <laughs> wow. <laughs> if your basket 2017 quarterfinal game was was amazing between those two teams, yeah. can you imagine them playing with Mike James? <laughs> That's something. But since he didn't go there, I am taking him to Uh, Lithuania. I'm also taking him. And Greece. Greece. Yeah, okay, Greece.
1: Greece have plenty of almost naturalized players that do not count as naturalized (laughs) players. (laughs) Let's be be honest, like Tyler Dorsey. Uh, Who do they need? his mom
0: is, uh, he's a half Greek. Yeah, I know, I know, I know that. And I'm thinking that you're doing the same mistake that Neven Spahia did, actually. He had to apologize for his words, so... So I'm not saying he doesn't have any Greek connection. I'm
1: not saying that. I'm just saying he's from California. (laughs) He's an American, but he has Greek ties. I mean, I'm not even saying that Ignace Brezdakis is a Lithuanian. Like, yeah, yeah. he's a pure Lithuanian. Like others say, oh, he's a Lithuanian player. He doesn't even speak Lithuanian that much. So uh, and he counts as a naturalized player, by the way, for Lithuania. Because he
0: played for Canada. Yeah, youth
1: youth team. Anyway, I'm not being offensive or anything. No, it's no, no, just no. that I mean, Eritis was the guy who said that Lorenzo Brown in Spain was perfectly okay. So, to me it's fine. I don't have a problem, but yeah. that's a discussion in the past. Uh so for Greece, what they do need they a need? Will Clyburn. They, they I need want Will Clyburn. Because I think, think that fit they're Will loaded Clyburn with Giannis. How do you fit them?
0: Giannis is playing as a 4, you make Will as Clyburn a spot. As up, a three. You make
1: Will a, Cly- a spot-up shooter? I think so. Yeah. <laughs> To me, that does not make any sense. He would
0: make this sacrifice, I think.
1: But do you? Is this? The I'm best just missing. Option? A, I'm
0: just missing the best wing uh, after Giannis and Tukumbo because I love Slukas, Calidis, and Dorsey backcourt
1: centers. I mean, but to me, it's the the only thing they like is spacing, and for good spacing, you need a shooting big because you're obviously playing thirty minutes with Giannis. And, and no, Size-wise,
0: is uh, Clib- Cl- uh, a great but fit, but he's,
1: he's not a shooter. Like,
0: come on, he's he's making threes in, by incredible rates and percentages this year. But and for you, a co- few 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 years already. But why
1: would you put Will Clyburn as a spot-up shooter without a ball in his hands? Like, that does not make sense to me. I'm sorry.
0: I mean, if, if I have a chance to to put Clyburn to any national team, I'm not raising those questions really. It depends on what you have next to him or what yeah, you're you have choosing of. next to him. I mean, what you have is a naturalized player option. Otello Hunter.
1: Otello Hunter. He's getting old.
0: And he, But he's stretching the floor.
1: <laughs> he's stretching the floor very well. Floor. Uh...
0: What about Jonathan Motley? He's not stretching the floor that much, so maybe that's an issue. Although he's a really decent center, which I actually see for Italy as a perfect fit.
1: Mm-hmm. Italy definitely needs a center. That's an easy, easy pick. Motley,
0: yeah, no brainer. But Sammy uh,
1: Oziel, he's not a big, big. Again, Matt Costello would fit perfectly. <laughs> uh,
2: I'm, I'm. That's what I said. You know, who wouldn't want Matt Costello on that on their uh,
1: team? I'm not so sure, but the clear option is 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 a shooting big, somebody who could stretch the floor mm. for better spacing. Because exactly, they undersized, maybe. No, I actually why, see Lede for for Serbia.
0: Not?
1: But Serbia has two. he's not the
0: I wouldn't say he's the most he's not the most reliable guy who can stretch the floor, but adding his his effort next to Jokic defensively. I don't know.
1: I would prefer Zach exactly Lede to Greece, actually. Yeah, that the season he's shooting forty five percent. That could work.
0: Who do you have for Greece?
2: Actually, no one. I had. Uh, I just imagine how with Sasha Vizankov, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. one of the biggest would, would have been the perfect fit, you know.
1: But and that's that's, that's then then true. it's a
2: huge gap between anyone else I choose.
1: <laughs> the thing is, it's, it's usually most uh, teams that uh, naturalize players they they sign point guards. American point guards, and yeah. rarely it's, it's, it's yeah. a big, big man. Like Slovenia needs a big. So they, they had Anthony Randolph, mm-hmm. Mike Toby also shooting bigs. But usually we're talking about point guards. And when you're trying to pick a stretch four or even a stretch five, the talent pool is is really not that big. Yeah. Because with point guards, it's, it's so easy. easy.
0: That's what actually makes this conversation even more interesting yeah. because m- some of these teams, they don't really need a guard.
1: It's true, it is And true.
0: for your beloved Italy team, do you Kyle have Hans. anybody? Kyle, Hans. For
2: one summer. Okay. For one and good then Motley tournament. And then Motley for okay. the... And after that, Motley. <laughs> this is a for the whole next project. 15 years, yeah. okay. 10 years.
1: Motley with Bancaro.
0: Oh, yeah. They, yeah, they actually have Bancaro.
2: Bancaro will be and... Should be. No, no. Be. Is a naturalized expert or no? I'm not will sure. I'm not count sure. as I one or no.
1: Again, think so. we cannot question that that he's half Italian, being Paolo Banchero. Uh, but uh, I don't know how FIBA handles these cases.
0: I'm not sure. Not sure.
2: America. Anyway, American anyway. Anyway,
1: he's expected to play for Italy eventually. Maybe even uh, yeah. trying to get to the Olympics in Paris. Who knows?
0: Okay, we are done with uh, improving national teams, and let's finish. Or
1: p- destroying national teams, others would say, <laughs> and, and
0: triggering <laughs> all those uh, fans. I'm leaning towards that 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 side. Let's let's to wrap it honest. up.
1: I want to uh, be a GM of a national team, signing yeah. players, revolutionizing. would
2: have uh, two players who are a quarter of that in their nation, and
0: then one naturalized
2: player, probably.
0: <laughs> The last MB topic to wrap it up, Uh, Jeremy Sohan. Is a great player. First of all, amazing uh, rookie. He's on a great stretch uh, right now. He he's he had a thirty-point game, and he he became the first sports rookie since Tim Duncan to uh, to go over thirty. He's on a nice stretch of the last five games, averaging nineteen points, six rebounds, three assists, making fifty-nine percent of three-pointers and eighty-nine percent of free throws. But he's of the course, future
1: of, of of Poland, by the way, and he's
0: the future of uh, Poland uh, being American. Uh, Polish player, but of course everybody is talking about his free throw mechanics or his hairstyle. Hairstyle is another impressive thing about him. But
1: I th- think the last guy that had similar hairstyle in San Antonio was dating Madonna in the nineties. Do you know?
0: Doing some by any means who, crazy who stuff. Was with I believe he, he,
1: he's known as the Worm. Oh, oh. That guy. yeah,
0: there was one. <laughs> Decent guy.
1: He won some championships in Chicago. There was some story with Carmen Electra in Detroit, in Chicago, right? I I, yeah. I do believe
0: that.
2: Yeah. So the weirdest free throw shooting techniques. Yeah, the topic. Uh, first is of the all, shout
1: out to to Sohan techniques. for being so brave because you know yeah. you're gonna be mocked by some fans and and people watching basketball just because of your unorthodox shooting routine. But his numbers improved by like twenty percent or thirty even. Yeah. So
0: Before changing his mechanics, he was a 45 free-throw shooter. Then his his numbers leaped to 75. And now, as I, as I mentioned in the last five games, it's incredible 89% uh, accuracy.
2: But actually, you know, like, he knew he was going to be on every social media post the day he changed his routine. But he is shooting the way, you know, you are progressing on the shooting mechanics drills you are maybe doing before the practice when you are young. You know, you start with these one handed shots and then you progress just mo- mo- moving backwards. And so it's nothing, I mean, it's weird to see because nobody else does it, but it's actually the same movement you are doing when you are shooting with two hands. So, yeah, um, exactly. I mean, nobody does it, but for him, that's working. And uh, but to me the worst free pro shooting form of all time is Chuck Hayes. Chuck Hayes, oh, yeah. I'm just no I'm literally doubt, watching his
1: video right no now. No doubt about <laughs> it, like
2: I'm literally I mean, that, watching it. That two motion
0: shot. I, mean, I love how he confused here. all those players who tried to box out. Damn. Every
1: every time it's a, it's a line violation for the for the other guys. It's like he's playing online and his internet connection is lost <laughs> for, midway for, midway for through half, his...
2: for half a second and then he reconnects.
1: <laughs> yeah, <Boom. laughs> there's a lag and. T- uh, at uh, the sa- Andres Biedrins had
2: similar disconnection. <laughs> yeah, Andres Biedrins, <laughs> that's, that. that's a
1: good choice. Uh, I would say from the players that were pretty successful making the free throws, but they not only free throw routine, but at the same time, the jump shot was crazy, uh, unorthodox and strange. Uh, Sean Marion, definitely, mm. basically pushing the ball from his stomach, mm-hmm. something like this. But uh, he was making shots.
2: Talking about... Actually, Chuck Hayes has 62% yeah. career free throw percentage. yeah not y- that bad. has 64 this season. Yeah, it's for not that bad. And talking about pushing the ball, uh, Joakim Noah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. With two hands.
1: It's like Marion did it from his stomach, Noah from his chest, like, like this.
2: A, b- a bit higher. Yeah. And Ronnie Brewer, uh, another member of Chicago Bulls, he also had... You know, seemed like a two-handed shot, two-handed free-throw routine. So that was that was weird. And uh, just, just not, I don't know how to say to me, Italian word brutto comes to my <laughs> mind. Sounds brutal. <laughs> exactly. But
0: just doesn't sound as good in English. Yeah. Rick Barry, uh, of course, is a legend. He had this granny style, like we say in Lithuania, and I found a great quote. Rick Barry actually started uh, shooting his free throws in granny style since high school. And he had an amazing quote, actually. If you're shooting 80% or better, great. If you can't shoot 80%, you're not a good free throw shooter, that's simple. If you can't shoot in the mid-70s, you need to think seriously about it. If you're a 60%, 50% free throw shooter, by God, you should try anything. <laughs> and Rick Barry was actually 90% free throw shooter with this granny style. Mm. So that was an amazing story and probably Sohan was also inspired by You know, by what Sohan does, examples.
1: what Sohan does, it's similar to how Shaq would take his free throws, it's just that he mm. used his left hand for like support. Mm didn't really have the ball in his both hands he was shooting with the right and the left was just supporting touching the ball a little bit and Shaq was not a good free throw shooter obviously but again his his shooting technique is more than questionable however at the same time you do realize that when he's holding the ball in his hands to him the basketball the size 7 basketball probably feels like an orange to me yeah so if I'm shooting an orange I would need to make some adjustments also.
2: I will always remember how Shaq said, I average 30 without the free throws.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and at one point there was this narrative in the early 2000s that Shaq hired uh, an individual tra- trainer for, for free throw. Yeah, uh, to improve his free throw percentages. And he did have some slight improvement, but then he stopped and he said, well, if I'm going to start making free throws, I'm going to be a perfect basketball player, and that wouldn't be fair. <laughs>
2: One Talking about underhanded, uh, you know, this Rick Barry mm-hmm. shot. We have a guy in Europe, Chinano, Chinano Onwaku, o- o- who is right now in uh, Hapoel, uh, no, in Tel Aviv. Hapoel, he was in I think.
0: Jerusalem, I think, or Tel Aviv? He was in Sassari as well. and He was always, well, yeah.
2: and, uh,
0: he was always close to becoming the EuroLeague player, actually.
2: He's shooting 70, uh, 76% all. this way, this season. That's
0: solid. And I mean, I think that Jeremy will nail this uh, shooting form because he's a he's a big learner, big student of the game. When he uh, started his rookie NCAA season, he was not even listed as a top 100 player in, in the United States and he made a huge leap uh, throughout his rookie season and what actually also helped him to, to become a lottery pick was a great... Uh, great job he did uh, in the training camp uh, of his agency before the draft, and that's where NBA scouts and NBA execs noticed that how fast he can actually progress and 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 learn and and to improve. And this shooting form change it only proves that he can nail things really quick, and that will help to him to become more complete player because since he's already a huge uh, impact uh, changer and defensively. So yeah, it's it's going to be very impressive to see him in the national team basketball uh as well sooner or and later. Next to, and next to
2: Wimber,
1: Victor Wembanyama. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I'm just praying every night that Victor Wembanyama doesn't land in Charlotte. Charlotte oh. Charlotte everything about Charlotte Hornets is boring and disappointing and they are in the in in the race they will have a lottery pick I'm just hoping it's not going to be the first pick.
2: It's Houston, San Antonio. I'm sending
1: him to Texas, whether, whether it's San Antonio Texas. or Houston. Texas, That's I said it on purpose. Everything's bigger. <laughs> yee <Yeehaw>, Texas, baby.
0: <laughs> okay, guys, thanks a lot for this great, entertaining conversation. Don't forget to like uh, this video and subscribe our channel. And see you very soon. This week we have a Q&A episode. We will make this QA questionnaire for, for the upcoming podcast. Uh, don't forget to become BN Plus members. Actually, we have great WhatsApp chat community where Augustus is also sometimes discussing uh, about some games with our Plus members. This community is growing really fastly and it's, it's great not just to give them extra content, but have these inner discussions we have in our exclusive BN uh, Plus members group. So stay tuned and be the basket news.